lamp or warrior. Those of you between the ages of 14 and 39 this morning, we're going to consider you as warriors. You've got lots of energy. You're in the day-to-day all the time. You're getting things accomplished. You're making things happen. You're fighting the battle every day, no matter what it is. You accept challenges. You're actually saying, bring on the challenges. You're taking things on as they come. Those of you from 55 and over are in the lamp stage. You're illuminating the path for the warriors. You still have energy, but not as much as you did at one time. You have experience. You've fought battles. You have a lot to tell. You have a story to tell. You have weathered a lot of storms. You know what your purpose in life is. And those of us between the ages of 40 and 54 are the oars, lamp or warrior. We're in the middle stage. We're in the transition process of going from a warrior to a lamp. We still have energy, not as much as we did at one time. We are gaining experience as we're trying to work through different stages of life. We're growing in wisdom, but not as much as the lamps. I live on the same driveway. Our family lives on the same driveway as Moe's and Irma. I have learned a lot of things from Moe's over the last three years in living on that driveway. Moe's knows a little bit of everything. And I have learned a lot from asking questions, no matter what it is. He has wisdom. He's been through a lot in life. He has a lot of experience. So we have the warriors, young, full of energy, getting things done. We have those of us in between that are transitioning. And we have the lamps, those that have been there, done that, and are now illuminating the path of those of us coming behind. I have a question. Who is or who was Thomas Edison? Somebody. Yes. Inventor of electricity or the light bulb? The light bulb. And now I have another question. What did Thomas Edison do? But he is known for doing, inventing the light bulb. So do we know Thomas Edison? If I would, we actually don't. If I would ask any of you, who is Steve Chupp? Your answer would probably be, he is the owner of Steve Chupp Auctions. If I would ask his wife, Brenda, who is Steve Chupp? She would probably not say he is the owner of Steve Chupp Auctions, but we would actually get to know who is Steve. This is who Steve is. Why do we so often confuse who we are with what we do? There's a vast difference of what we do and who we are. We many times hear our vocation being confused with our personhood. I could pick any famous person. Let's go with Donald Trump. We know that Donald Trump is a former president. The day that Donald Trump was replaced in the White House with Joe Biden, and all of a sudden we ask, who is Donald Trump? We don't really know what to say because he is no longer president. So who is he? We really don't know. One day, this exact thing happened to King David. Turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel 21, and I'd like to read the text this morning, 2 Samuel 21, verses 15 through 17. 
As Randy mentioned, this will be the last sermon on the series of lessons from the life of King David. And we'd like to look at more the towards the end of his life. Now, I know there is a long period or there's quite a bit of things that happened between the last sermon on caring enough to confront. When Nathan came to David and said, David, you committed a sin. And David said, yes, I realize, confessed, made things right, and tried to put his life back together again. If we go back to that chapter, we see between that and this instance, there's a lot of things that happen. We have David starting to reap the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. We have death in the family. We have the the uh, the thing that happened with Amnon and Tamar. We have Absalom, Absalom's conspiracy. We have Absalom killed. We have a lot of death in David's family from our last sermon to the sermon today. But I'd like to begin today in verse 15 of chapter 21 in Second Samuel. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel, and David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbi Benab, one of the descendants of the giants, possibly a cousin of Goliath, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze, and who armed and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and attacked at the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, You shall no longer go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. I can feel for David. Here he was, knowing that here's another battle with the Philistines, his rival, probably thinking back when he killed Goliath. And he said, he probably said to himself, I know I am over 60 years of age. That's what he was at this time. But I still have strength. In his mind, he could still fight. So he went out to battle. And thank God for Abishai, he survived the battle, but not by much. I can imagine the scene of his men after this incident, his men walking up and slowly encircling David and looking at him and thinking, well, how are we going to break the news that you no longer should be out here fighting as a warrior? There was probably a little bit of awkward silence. And it doesn't, it's not recorded who actually spoke up. But we see that together his men made the decision and they broke the news to David that you shall no longer go out with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. In my mind, I could still pretty easily step up to the plate and smash a ball over a 300-foot fence in right field. But in reality, as I step up to the plate nowadays, that 300-foot fence looks like 400 feet. Yesterday, our kids and Kim's kids, they were playing in a volleyball tournament over in Baltic. Kim, I'm just curious, did you and Monica get an invitation to help in that tournament yesterday? You did not. Well, Marnita and I didn't get an invitation to help in that tournament either. Now, 30 years ago, we could have helped. We not only would have played in the tournament, we would have probably won the tournament. <laughs> I just had to insert that. A couple of Sundays ago after Sunday, after Sunday lunch, Ben and Rachel were over for lunch, and the boys and I went out and started shooting basketball, and of course we had to play a game of basketball. And we played one game to 21. It was fairly competitive. 
And I think it took me the whole next week to recover from one game. And later I told Bo, I said, I felt old being out there playing with you boys. And he looked at me and said, well, Dad, you are. <laughs> so I guess I'm facing reality. But I can feel for David here. And in his mind, he was still a warrior. But he took his men to tell him that, no, you're not. And we're not telling you to go home because, because of the reason we think you can't fight. But we're telling you to go home because Israel needs you. With the promises that God made to you years ago, the lamp of Israel cannot be distinguished for the good of the nation. At this time, David was still in firm control of the kingdom. He was still on the throne. Wealth was accumulating. His empire was expanding. Like I mentioned before, he was over 60 years old. His stamina was waning. I imagine his reflective, reflexive responses were slow. If not for Abishai, David's life would have ended that day. I don't know if David made excuses when Abishai came up and saved him. He might have said, man, I, I thought I had him. Or I thought I could do this. It doesn't say if he did or not. Where was the David that killed Goliath? Where was the David that came back with not 104 skins, but 204 skins for a dowry for the king's daughter? In his prime, all of Israel's enemies feared David. Where was the warrior that David once was? And the question he might have been asking on his chariot ride back to Jerusalem might have been, what now? What now? That was David the warrior. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about David as a lamp. David didn't go home retiring in self-pity, wasting away his latter years. David wrote some of his finest poetry, which we call the Psalms, after this incident. Psalm 92, verses 19, or verses 12 through 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. What kept David from quitting after his useful years of his career, after his most successful years? He was too valuable to be killed in battle. So his soldiers told him to go home. You don't need to turn to this, but I'd like to backtrack just a little bit on the history leading up to this. So why did his soldiers actually make the statement that we can't have the lamp of Israel extinguished? So in 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall be, shall not continue. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. If I can get this stuff. And the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. In, uh, in Acts, Paul was in the synagogue and he was rehearsing some of what happened in the Old Testament. And Paul states it this way. Acts 13, 21 and 22. Then they asked for a king, talking about the children of Israel, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified, 
and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Now, let's go to 2 Kings 8, verse 19. Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David, his servant, since he promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. The term lamp in this context depicts the image of an eternal flame burning through the chaotic and destructive times of the nation of Judah and the greater Israel. At this point in his life, David recognized that the first part of his life is over. The part of wielding the sword, of going out and literally killing the enemy, and the part of being a warrior is now history. That was what David did in the first part of his life. What was the purpose of David's life? Who was David? God brought him in as king over Israel behind Saul. After what happened with with the kingdom when Saul was in control, God brought David in as a lamp, as that shining light for the nation of Israel during the chaotic times. And David realized that that is actually his purpose in life. That was why it was possible for David to accept the hard words that he heard from his, his own men. David, it's time to go home. The last thing we need is you killed and that flame of hope. Because you're a man of God, because God put you in place to lead through these times, you need to go home because we still need you, but in a different role. At this point in his life, David recognized his identity, not as a warrior, but as a lamp of Israel. Killing enemies was what he did. The lamp of Israel is who he was. 1 Kings 11, verse 36. Yet to his son I will give one tribe, that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city, the city where I have chosen to put my name. 2 Chronicles 21, verse 7. Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and since he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. Psalm 132, 17 and 18. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. David not only provided hope for the nation of Israel, but also became a lamp to men everywhere, including us today. How many times have we gone through calling hours or have we gone through a funeral And we walk up to the podium and we grab the memorial card and we look on the back and we don't see a portion out of first or second Samuel of David killing Goliath or of a victory David won. But what do we see? Psalm 23. What book of the Bible do we most often go to for encouragement or inspiration? The book of Psalms. David knew his mission. Even David's men valued the person his spiritual resources over his physical energy. I'm sure it was hard for the men to see David stay at home. It was hard for the men to see their leader of many, many years no longer physically engage in battle. But they knew the importance of David's mission over their own personal preferences. They understood the hope that Israel depended on because of David's relationship with Almighty God. His relationship with Almighty God was more important than having him on the front lines of the battlefield. 
Now, how do we make this practical for us today? Warrior versus lambs. Warriors, young men, ladies, you bring high energy. We produce tangible results. We are in the what we do stage. We're doers. We like to get things done. Lamps, older men, ladies, supply resources and perspective. Time supplies perspective. Time on the road gathers experience, perspective, and learned skills. Older people have a lot to offer. I'd like to read a story that I came across. I shared this at work in one of our meetings, so Mike, excuse me for you having to hear it again. has a little bit of humor, but I thought it brought out a good point. This old lady handed her bank card to the teller and said, I would like to withdraw $10. The teller told her, for withdrawals less than $100, please use the ATM. The old lady wanted to know why. The teller returned her bank card and irritably told her, these are the rules. Please leave if there is no further matter. There is a line of customers behind you. The old lady remained silent for a few seconds and handed her bank card to the teller and said, please help me withdraw all the money I have. The teller was astonished when she checked the account balance. She nodded her head, leaned down, and respectfully told the lady, you have $300,000 in your account, but the bank doesn't have that much cash currently. Could you make an appointment and come back again tomorrow? The old lady then asked how much she could withdraw immediately. The teller told her any amount up to $3,000. Well, please let me have $3,000 now. The teller kindly handed $3,000, very friendly and with a smile to her. The old lady put $10 in her purse and asked the teller to deposit $29.90 back into her account. The moral of this story is don't be difficult with old people. They spent a lifetime learning this skill. I know it's a... It's a hilarious story, but it brings out a point to respect years of experience, respect the fact that older people are actually willing to know their limits and not engage in what is hard to sit back from, but to respect what they've learned. Message to the warriors, value spiritual depth over high energy. Find a mentor who has experienced what you want to learn. Ask many questions. Listen carefully, not just politely. I've been in conversations with older people where they were trying to tell me something that they've learned over the years. And I think back now and embarrassingly, I was listening politely, but not very carefully. I was listening to even maybe to answer versus to understand. There's two ways of listening. There's listening to reply or there's listening to understand. And so many times I will admit that I am listening to reply. Before Andrew's even done talking, I'll have a reply made up in my mind and ready to pull the trigger as soon as he's done talking. And I miss what he's trying to tell me because I'm thinking and not concentrating and listening carefully. Listen carefully, not just politely. I understand and I will confirm that it is good to want to continually improve and discover new things. But there are certain wheels that don't need to be reinvented. They've endured the test of time, and our elders can explain those things to us. There are a lot of lamps that would embrace the opportunity to tell us what they would do different if they could rewind and have a second chance. I'm 49 years old. 
My youngest child is 14. My oldest is 22. And there's five children. If I would have the opportunity to rewind and do something different, I would. But I also encourage the lamps not to live in a season of regret. Even though there's a lot of us that would do some things different, not to live in regret. Warriors, make use of that knowledge. Make use of being able to ask questions. Is there somebody here this morning that you have an older person as a mentor and you'd like to share some positive experiences with us? I'd like to just interact a little bit. Are there some of you that have been meeting with a mentor and just tell us in, the, in, in, in a first-person experience here, what impact has that had on you? Or how valuable has that been? What have you learned? Anybody? Yes, Andrew. Just uh, stand up and face the crowd. That way they can hear you. Thank you, Franklin. Franklin brings out a wonderful point in passing it on to others, wanting to be that for others. If you know it or not, we're all influencers. No matter what stage of life you're in, you're influencing someone. I'm 49 years old. If I have a mentor that's older than me, he's influencing me. He's mentoring me. I'm mentoring, still mentoring my children. All you young dads, you're mentoring someone. You're mentoring your children. You might be mentoring somebody that's older than you that doesn't have the experience in something that you might have. We're all influencing someone. So pass it on. Don't be a reservoir that stalemates where the water has no outlet. Water coming in, water going out. Keep it fresh. Pass it on. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Chris, for sharing that. There's one up here in Rome. Mm. Wow. If the warriors across America would view the lamps as resourceful instead of old-fashioned, the culture would drastically change. There are so many resources that aren't being taken, made use of, that are here for our taking. Now, a message to the lamps. Embrace what you have to offer and share it willingly. Your advanced years are too valuable to waste. That is 75 years old, or he'll turn 75 in July. He retired from his his daily job back, uh, I think, when he turned 70. He's probably busier now than he's ever been. But this is what he told me. He said, I'd rather wear out than rust out. I'd rather wear out than rust out. Your advanced years are too valuable to waste. Don't cling to your youth or mourn your lost energy. I struggle with that. In my mind, I can still do a lot of things the way I did when I was 20 years old. But I can't. And I need to let go of my youth. Job 12, verse 12. Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Job 32, verse 7. I thought those who are older should speak for wisdom comes with age. C.S. Lewis. You are never too old to set a new goal or dream. You are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. D.L. Moody. Preparation for old age should begin not later than one's teens. A life which is empty of purpose until 65 will not suddenly become filled on retirement. It is never too young to prepare 
for getting old. And then Benjamin Franklin, those who love deeply never grow old. They may die of old age, but they die young. Folks, life is about relationship. We have, again, three sets, three different groups this morning. We have the warriors. We have those of us that are in the transition process. And we have the lamps. It doesn't really matter which group you're in this morning because all of us have value. David discovered and he knew who he was actually probably better after he quit going to war than he did while he was still going out to battle. He went out to battle doing what he did after he was sent home is when he wrote a lot of his poetry, the Psalms, and when he actually embraced who he was. God has his distinct purpose for all of us, no matter of our age. He will provide what we need to fulfill that purpose. This morning, warriors, transitioners, lamps, let's embrace the stage we're in. It is a part of all of our story. Warriors, make use of the lamps. Lamps, embrace what God has given you to share. And together, we can stay strong and continue building his kingdom. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this passage in Scripture that we can look at at and take example. So, Lord, I pray that you might help us to embrace where each of us are at and to look out for each other, Lord, to bring out the best in each other and to use the resources that you have given us for all of our good. So, Lord, I commit this sermon into your hands. I pray that you might grant the increase. I pray this on your name. Amen. You okay? I'm ready to close. Thank you.